0: This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Stever Robbins, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I can tell you out of 780 some odd episodes, you're the first Stever on the show. So I won't have to use your last name in the show slug. I'll just be able to say Stever. So thank you for that.
1: You know, my pleasure. One of my goals in life is to help people be more productive, help them work less, help them do more. And you know, my name is a conscious strategy just to be more convenient for for everyone, but especially for you.
0: Well, thank you very much. So put us into context, because I found you on LinkedIn. You were wandering out there in the LinkedIn desert alone, and I took you in and gave you some water. So who is Steve or Robbins? Oh my gosh, that's a very
1: complicated <laughs> question. Um <clears throat> I, I've I have come to believe that I might be slightly more complicated than a lot of people are. I started my career. Well, first of all, I was raised in a traveling New Age commune. That's a story in and of itself. Started my career as an engineer, software engineer, once upon a time, back when not everyone thought they were software engineers. So I have some opinions about the quality of what it takes to actually do that. Went to, got my bachelor's in computer science did that for a few years, shifted from that into training because I wanted to develop people skills. I had concluded that I didn't have them and it was obvious that they were becoming increasingly important to my career. So I went into training figuring, Hey, if I have to spend my entire day helping people who aren't like me understand the things I understand, that'll teach me a lot about how to interact with people. From there, I went back to Harvard Business School to get an MBA. And, you know, I would say the rest is history but what that history consists of is a series of startups uh, i've generally been in an operational role or been one of the co-founders and intermixed with executive coaching and doing various types of consulting i've spent the last couple decades as an executive coach uh and at the same time you know i've done some engagements helping babson college or uh, babson uh, revamp their strategy and Founded a company somewhere in there called JobTacto.com with a couple of friends. Uh, Right after 2008, we had an idea for how to help people find jobs more efficiently and with a greater degree of emotional commitment and without getting demotivated and depressed. Uh, Worked on that for a couple of years. And uh, most recently have shifted into, as, as I'm sure you will predict from what I've said so far, most recently shifted into private equity and finance, where I am helping to grow an organization that is hopefully going to be using finance both to make a lot of money for our investors and also to reverse systemic racism. and That's a whole story in and of itself that has nothing to do with productivity, but which is clearly a passion and and something that gives things meaning. Uh, Oh, and in the middle of all of this, uh, from 2007 to 2020, I was the host of the Get It Done Guys Quick and Dirty Tips to Work Less and Do More, 587 episodes. It is a podcast that is part of the Quick and Dirty Tips Network, which is owned by Macmillan Publishing. And so I have done an awful, awful lot of personal productivity.
0: stuff. And you haven't even talked about your love for Burning Man. (laughs) I haven't
1: talked about my love for Burning Man. I haven't talked about the musical theater and how I co-wrote the world's first, as far as I know, first uh, uh, musical that is also educational about personal productivity. So, so educational people take notes, so dramatic people cry. Um. Yeah, I have a, a lot of strange, strange hobbies and
0: interests. Well, you said something when you and during your little uh, bloviating there about software. Now, I'm 55 years young, and I have come to love the entire Apple ecosystem. I have my wife and I have everything Apple. I mean, literally, we use everything Apple: iPhones, iPads. Uh, watches, AirPods, Apple TV, Apple Music, I, Apple TV Plus, iCloud Drive. Um, I love the way they design their system. Uh, I heard once a missionary went to Africa and he had an iPad and some kid, obviously never seen a piece of technology, came up, grabbed it and started using it. I'm like, That's pretty impressive when a kid who's never seen technology can use it. So what do you, are you more of an Apple guy? Are you more of a Linux guy? You Google Android guy? What kind of software, if you can only pick one, what would be your software choice?
1: Once upon a time, early in my career, I was a system administrator for an entire network. I kept a little logbook and the logbook was every time one of the computers crashed, what was the symptom? What was the ultimate cause? How did it? How did uh, I fix it and how much time did it take? So that way, if things went wrong and kept crashing, I could go back and look to see if this was a symptom that I had seen before. And if so, I would have a more rapid way of being able to, to fix it. I had two Windows machines die on me in rapid succession in, I think it was 2007. And I said, you know, what the heck? I am just going to buy a Mac and see what this whole Apple thing is about. Literally, I think three or four days ago, I ran across my system administrator notebook for the four iMacs that I have owned since 2007. I have three entries in 13 years. When I go back and take a look at the logs from my Windows machines and just get a brief, vague idea of how much time I spent fiddling with the machine to get it to work, versus how much time I spent actively using the machine. I, I you know I, you wonder why Americans only have two weeks of vacation instead of six weeks like the rest of the world. Well, because we spend four of the weeks fiddling with this piece of garbage shoved down our throat by Bill Gates, who wanders around going, look at me, I'm such a great person. And I'm like, dude, you would be bankrupt if we could actually bill you for the amount of productivity you have single-handedly destroyed. So that is a very long way of saying that, based upon objective data, I shifted from Windows to the Mac, and uh, I have found that the Mac has drastically increased my productivity.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you there. I'm, I'm recording this on my MacBook, and we have an iMac in the other room, and I just, I just love. And I, I read a story. I remember where I heard this, but the Mac, uh, Apple built the Mac right. You know, with Steve, would was News was Woz, Wozniski. That's why Woz, his name is Woz. Um, Wozniak. Wozniak, that's what it is about about not. is. I'm, I'm the Polak here. So, but Apple or what Windows did and Microsoft did, they just pushed it out to everyone. It was the greatest product, but they had the best marketing where i think apple had the best product but they they didn't have good marketing in the beginning i think that's what the uh the 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 crossroads is and everybody i know that goes from windows or android to mac and iphone they're like oh my gosh it just works i mean my wife is an it gal and she grew up on windows she worked on it on windows computers and then when she came with a mac we started buying mac because i'm a mac nerd and she goes oh my gosh you know i like windows but man everything just works on the mac it's just it's just amazing I actually have a
1: virtual machine that runs on my Mac that I use to play different uh, video games. Basically, uh, video games that aren't that don't have a Mac version. I run them in the virtual machine. So I run I run Windows ten within a virtual machine on my Mac, and I'll tell you, it's like every time I start the virtual machine, it decides, oh, the machine is going to run slow for the next twenty five minutes as we download the nine thousand seven hundred and sixteen updates. And then, in the middle of your game, without asking you and with no permission, we're just going to randomly reboot to install all that stuff that you didn't want that just downloaded. But we will let you decide not to download it for the next three hours. But then we're going to force you to do it anyway. And I just look at this and I, I go like, there is nothing about this system that is made for the customers. No. And you know, when you when you think about productivity, uh, one of the favorite questions that I get from people when they say, "What's your favorite productivity app?" and I'll tell you I've tried them all. I have downloaded everything from the app stores. I have subscribed to the trello i have I actually have lifetime memberships from half of these these whole life personal productivity organizers from when they launched because, as the get it done guy, people would approach me and say, "Oh, you know, we review this." I have tried all of it. My number one productivity app is a pad of paper <laughs> and a pencil. And I will tell you, there's a lot of sweet, you know, that sounds flippant. It's not flippant. I have, I have measured how productive I am because I'm right. I am that guy. I really am that guy who measures things. Um, so by the way, uh, uh, paper calendar, pa- month at a glance, paper calendar was the most efficient calendar I ever had. Uh, and I kept trying to go to online calendars nothing worked until they invented the concept of the calendar invite and the 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 calendar invite actually now provides enough power that that makes it more convenient to use an online calendar or calendar sharing type stuff than you could possibly do with a printed calendar even though a lot of the online calendars have the problem that if you have a busy schedule which i do you, you can only look at the month of the month at a glance layout and see the top three things on each yeah. day. And it's like, if I've got nine things scheduled that day, then month at a glance doesn't actually help. What,
0: but, what uh, What's interesting is I'm like you now for my calendar. I use an app called fantastical. I think it's the best calendar app out there. I connect my Google calendar there because I bring my iPhone everywhere with me, but I've actually gone back to using a bullet journal because I I'm 55 years young and I like writing things in a journal, not just my to do's It's like ideas for blog posts or ideas for products or something like that just writing it down and i carry it with me everywhere but we depend so you got one in his network you can't the listener can't see it but he's got a pen and paper and here's the thing i've actually found pens that are archival ink they're waterproof, so if we get uh, if it gets left out in the rain, I can still read it. Um, your technology is like a spider 's web okay we 've experienced power outages we experienced internet going down i mean goodness gracious was the internet goes down, people lose their minds like oh i can 't check Twitter for three minutes like. Take a breath, but I'm, I'm with you paper and pen, but you know what, what it's interesting is my wife and I just upgraded the iPhone 12 and they got 5g. I become a 5g snob. I'm like, I don't have 5g. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's <laughs> I know it's going to wear off. Cause we just got them last week, but um, you know, how fast can our phones be? I mean, we went from 3g to LTE. Now we have 5g and then we have 6g, 7g, you know, eventually stuff's going to appear on our phones before we even realize we need it. Cause that's what artificial intelligence is all about. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Stucheski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com.
1: Well, yeah, except that uh, well, I'm, I'm a big fan of artificial intelligence in some disciplines and not in others. And in this whole notion of value, wow, your technology should try to predict what you're about to do. I don't like that because it introduces choices. Lots and lots of choices where there didn't used to need to be choices. It used to be if I wanted to type a word on a keyboard, I would just type the word on the keyboard. Now I start to type. I get offered choices. I have to decide is one of those correct? If it isn't, I have to then put my attention back on the keyboard. People don't think about these tiny micro things, but, but to me, this is where most of your productivity actually gets sucked up. You know, it's easy to notice. Oh, I got distracted by Facebook for 20 minutes. That's, that's the easy kind of thing to notice. The hard kind of thing to notice is, wow, I just spent the last 20 minutes of writing the article that I was working on, and instead of being creative and immersed in my ideas and coming up with really good stuff, I spent half of the time being distracted by the squiggly red underlines, fiddling with spell check to make sure the the spelling was correct, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the things that, as far as I can tell, the only thing that anyone in Silicon Valley has used behavioral psychology and cognitive psychology for us to figure out how to manipulate us like that's the only thing they're interested in is how can we manipulate people into using our product more i'm much more interested in asking how can we use we how can we use the same perspective to actually help people solve their problems faster and get their work done more quickly so they can go out and spend time away from technology with their friends in person and um you know one of the biggest things you know people ask me if they could only do one thing to improve their productivity, what would it be? And I say, take a touch typing course. Mm. Everyone I know spends 80% of their time typing on their keyboard. If you can increase your word count from typing 60 words a minute to typing 80 words a minute, you just decrease the amount of time you spend a day by an hour and a half. Mm. Like, you know, and by the way, I know this. I just finished writing a book and uh, and and I'm part of a writer's group. And so every day we, we post and compare our word counts. And I... I and we I, and I go for exactly an hour a day and I probably average 1100 words per day. I know people who or per per hour if I'm doing it for an hour a day. I know people who can, who physically cannot type 1100 words an hour. So even if their brain is working that fast, doesn't matter. They're not going to be able to to be productive at that level. So a lot of the problems I see with technology are really these kind of micro-attention problems. It's caused by the engineers doing something that they think is going to be neat or flashy or engaging or that's going to give them an excuse to use blockchain or machine learning, all this crap. And my reaction is, you know what? How about you just design a tool that solves the problem it's supposed to solve? And once you've got that nailed down, once you really understand what the problem is and you understand what's keeping people from reaching the problem – Then and only then do you delve into all of this other ridiculous crap. And please give me an option to turn all the other ridiculous crap off because none of it adds to my personal experience. I just want to solve my problem, put my phone down, turn my computer off and go do other things.
0: That's a very good point because uh, when you're talking there, I'm thinking, man, predictive type. Because on the iPhone, you can turn predictive type off. And I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, when I'm typing, I'm looking at the words. And I'm like, I until you said that, even though I'm a productivity guy, a, a microsecond here, a microsecond here, a microsecond there. And now I'm not thinking. I'm like, oh, do any of these words match them? That's a really good point. I'm going to turn predictive type off. Cause, and also on Gmail, I'm a Google Workspace for business customer. And they've got the suggestions. You can turn those off as well because to your point, you start typing and it says, do you want this? No. Then you have to go, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. And your brain is now so going to me- creative to
1: write. So let me let me tell you, there's there's two other things that's important to know about. Hang on, I'm actually taking some notes so that I remember to to, to mention them both. Um, <clears throat> wow, well, what was I saying? Okay, well, <clears throat> one of them is semantic priming, and semantic priming is the phenomenon that if I simply say to you the word doctor and the next word, if I say doctor and, I'd say nurse, right? If I say doctor and banana you kind of are taken aback a little bit. Okay. Because what happens is just saying the word doctor, you haven't even finished the phrase. When you say the word doctor, your brain goes, Ooh, we must have, you know, maybe the next thing we have to do is think about the medical context. So it starts to pull up all of these medical associations. So even if you can ignore the, the little word suggestions, they are still affecting how you think. The, the simple fact that you are reading a word that is not the word you have in mind is literally causing your brain to bring different things to the, not to the forefront, but to the just below consciousness level. And I actually think as somebody who makes my living or who makes portions of my living creating content, you know, that's actually really important because, because I don't want my brain to be knocked off balance every single time a word enters my visual field just because some stupid AI thought that I should type that next. And by the way, when you're looking at things like LinkedIn and LinkedIn gives you the whole, and, and I guess Gmail may do this now too. I, I don't use Gmail, so I'm not positive. But it may say, you know, here is a suggested yes. sentence to yes. type. I'm like, I'm like, um, I, know, I know this is a clean podcast. So I will say, um, um, gosh, darn it, golly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, believe it or not i am capable for thinking for myself and and i understand now let's let's get clear all right i was an engineer for 17 years so i feel like i can say this if you were to rank all of the human beings on the entire planet in the order of of what is their skill at understanding human behavior and human interaction from the most incredible, charismatic, capable person in the world, all the way down to the person who you physically want to lock away because it would just be too dangerous to let them interact with another human being. Engineers all fall in the lower 5% of that ranking. These are literally the, pe- these are the, the last people in the world you would ever go to for advice on dating, for advice on conflict resolution, for advice on communication skills. You know, definitely not for advice on romance, definitely not for advice on how to have long-term relationships, on how to understand other people's needs in a way that satisfies them both intellectually and emotionally. I mean, literally, and I say this as somebody who, who was a member of that category for many years and then spent literally years studying, practicing, and taking courses to, to leave that, these are not people you want suggesting the next thing you should type. They just, because they're going to be wrong unless you're also an engineer, in which case they'll be right. And in which case being told that you should say thank you when someone says something nice is in fact a giant revelation. And it is such a burden on your brain that maybe you should have an artificial intelligence do it for you. Right. (laughs) Um, but I can tell you having learned myself to say things like, thank you and please. And when someone does something nice, I show appreciation. And when I meet somebody, I make small talk for, you know, not for 10 minutes. I do it for three and a half seconds, but you know, I do, I do do it for three and a half seconds and and we're we are in this strange bizarre world where a bunch of people who are the least qualified people in the world to make this decision have decided to embed the tools that everyone uses with these ridiculous suggestions and rankings and you know i go on to netflix and every time i go on to netflix it shows me 400 thumbnails of things i could be watching and the the continue watching the thing you were watching list isn't even on the front page. I have to like <laughs> scroll down sometimes. I don't know why. Sometimes it's at the top, and sometimes it's like, th- it's like three pages down. And I'm looking at this going, you know, I actually am capable of deciding what I want to watch. Like, I know I'm in the mood for romantic comedy. Stop shoving things in my face until I ask for it. And believe me, When I don't know what I want to watch, I will go and I will click the button that says, give me 400 (laughs) thumbnails and suggestions and let me scroll through them. Because I am an active human being who understands that I want to direct my own, you know, as much as is possible. I want to direct my own thinking and be my own person in the world. And I don't need an artificial, I have a perfectly fine human intelligence, mine, doing this for me. I don't need an artificial intelligence trying to second guess me. I am smarter than it. And if I am not, it doesn't need me. It should just go off and do its own thing and ignore me.
0: Well, a couple (laughs) of things things I got to say is I think I'm going to title this episode. Predictive type is killing your productivity. I think people are going to go, wait, what? Uh, So welcome to that. Uh, Also, I think it's very interesting. I am really amazed at what Elon Musk has done, but he said something very, uh, very interesting and alarming. He says, you know, we've already let AI out of the bottle and he goes, We don't know what it's going to do now. And if Elon Musk is concerned about AI, we all should be concerned about artificial intelligence. Would you agree? Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to mrproductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click the link.
1: Well, it depends upon concern in what way. One of the things that I... So uh, the power of, well, the power of AI, there's two pieces to this. The power of AI to make predictions about people and about who people are and to profile people is scary. The scarier part is that human beings believe the AI. So let's be clear here. The AI isn't the problem. I don't think we're going to have an AI that's going to come alive and cut off the electrical grid. We've got Russians who are capable of doing that if anyone wants to do it. I don't, we, so we don't have to worry about that. What we do have to worry about is that, you know, and again, it's people who aren't qualified to be making these decisions are just rushing headlong into, oh, let's build artificial intelligence recruiting platforms. I'm like, dudes, gals, whatever the appropriate genders are, even human beings have a really piss-poor record at being able to hire well. (laughs) The number of different things that go into a hiring decision from company culture, you know, people like, uh, so here's another thing to know about engineers, especially when you're using dating apps, but also when you're using hiring apps, which is just a specialized form of a dating app. Engineers like things that are easy to compare, because there is a thing in computer programming called an if-then statement, And you can say if, like if age is greater than 12, and age is less than 16, then display the teeny bopper, you know, boy band video or whatever. Um, So because engineers really like if-then statements and they love comparisons, and by the way, the only thing machine learning is, machine learning is just a gigantic linear array. It's basically a bunch of numeric comparisons. That's all it is. It's just numeric comparisons arranged in a way that learns and by the way for we don't understand why or how it learns we just know that it eventually does um, but but engineers like things that can be compared so they like the idea of oh we will automate hiring because we can say if a bunch of comparisons then hire or if a bunch of comparisons then don't hire And there are things actually that I just don't think can be compared because what you do is you choose the things that are comparable and easy to measure you do, which aren't necessarily the important things. And you know that's the that's the big mistake I see being made. And by the way I see the opposite mistake made in a lot of other fields. There are a lot of fields that you know do things on gut when they should be using data and they should be actually looking at you know looking at historical records and so on and so forth. But engineers and you know I'm I'm now specifically referring to hiring software and to um, uh, to hiring software and to, to dating apps, you know they're like, ooh, we can compare hair color, we can compare height, we can compare weight. Well, guess what? If you bother to pick up an actual book about relationships, one of the things you will discover is there is no book in all of human history that says the secret to a good relationship is to have the right hair color, be the right <laughs> age and the right weight. Because it turns out that three years after you, after you meet the person and you have decided you're going to be with them for life, you stop working out cuz <laughs> hey what the heck you've already got what you want and they stop working out cuz they got what they want and then one of you develops you know some skin condition and suddenly you no longer look like you know uh,
0: Brad Pitt certain <laughs> Brad
1: <who>? Pitt <laughs> yeah, does he have perfect I skin have no if idea. Brad Pitt has perfect skin then you, then you don't look like Brad Pitt but basically the the idea is that one of the things that concerns me about technology and about AI is that is that creating these systems. Your timer's up. (laughs) Whoops. Sorry about that. That's interesting. I had turned, I thought I had turned my phone off, but apparently do not disturb. Does
0: not, does not affect alarms. I found that out the hard way as well.
1: (laughs) All right. Um, So I've now turned the phone off. (laughs) Um, uh, But but you know, my concern about a lot of the AI stuff in terms of being afraid of it is not so much that the AI itself, like I said, is going to come to life. It's that human beings, and especially engineers, are really bad at asking the right questions. And they're even worse at finding the answers to them. What they're really good at is finding cool answers to well-framed problems and questions. But other than engineering problems, which they're very, very good at, far better than anyone else but when it, when you're talking about human problems, social problems, even problems of security. You know, one of the things that just that I causes me to roll my eyes on a regular basis is when I hear somebody who's a big bitcoin proponent talking about how bitcoin doesn't require trust. And I'm like it requires it requires a complete obliviousness to the context of society, like to the fact that you're not living alone in a cave with a laptop to believe that Bitcoin doesn't require trust. What it does is it shifts the locus of trust from the physical mechanism used to encode the currency values into other things. But I'll tell you something. I'm going to cut the power off to your computer. I'm going to walk through with a really, really powerful magnet. And guess what? Guess what's going to happen to your Bitcoin wallet? You're not going to be able to use it or spend it. So, oh, okay, so you have to trust your infrastructure. Oh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna you know escape from the country, taking all of my Bitcoin, which I could never do with anything else. Yeah, because it's like you know it's it's really a shame that no one else has thought of making currency actually be nothing but bits in the computer that could be accessed from anywhere in the world. I mean that's that's the most novel idea ever. Um, uh, but you know I have friends who're like you know yeah if I have to escape I'm gonna I'm gonna pack up my Bitcoins and, on a thumb drive and you know head off to Switzerland. Number one, we just almost went through a literal armed insurrection. And none of my friends made plane arrangements to go to Switzerland. So number one, I'm not sure what they're going to wait for, but it seems to me like they're not likely to actually get out in time if we're in a serious danger of like closing our borders from the inside. Like, it, like I have no reason to believe that that's a legitimate scenario. But number two, has it occurred to them that they might need the right power adapter because they use different power standards in Europe? Mm. And I'm like you know, again, like, great. So you're not, you don't have to trust that the government won't inflate your currency, right? You know, as if, by the way, that's been a problem for anyone under the age of 50 currently in our culture. Like, you know, again, this is like one of these people are so scared of this. And I'm like, look around you. In fact, if you actually bother to pick up and read anything written by someone who does, who looks at economic trends, the big mystery has been, why haven't we? we had inflation because they're keeping all of these these sets of circumstances that according to traditional theory should have driven inflation and they haven't. So this is a very long way of saying that that it's very easy to become enamored of a particular technical solution and believe that that solution solves a problem when what it may actually just do is shift the same problem to a different part of the system. You know, And now you're right, I don't have to trust my currency, whatever it means to trust a currency, but I do have to trust a trillion-dollar network, that's the internet, and for those who didn't pick that, pick up on that, I do have to trust that this trillion-dollar network will remain, will remain up and accessible and working and accurate. And to me, that's actually a hell of a bigger that, – that, that's a much bigger trust load because uh, just in our – not only in our lifetimes, in the last five years, we have had that particular assumption completely go away. And, and, and again, you know, it, it, I, so when I, uh, I use a password manager and my password manager stores my passwords in the cloud and I called them up and I said, I'd like to, I'd like to have a copy of my passwords that I can store on a thumb drive and put multiple physical places. And they said, it's safe in the cloud. And I said, it's not safe in the cloud. If something happens that cuts off my internet access. And they said, well, then it's on your phone. And I said, look, let me introduce you to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico had a hurricane. At after the hurricane, power was out for 2 months in some areas of Puerto Rico. You did not have your phone, you did not have your computer, you did not have internet access. Now, you might have still had enough of your phone to make a phone call if you still remembered any phone numbers ever of anyone in the world who mattered. But, you know, you know but the 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 notion the notion that we're just, that our lives are just going to be wonderfully and inextricably supported by ever increasingly complex systems. You know, I mean, dude, pencil and paper actually works better than almost anything else. It has great handwriting recognition, you know, tons and tons of different colors. And if it doesn't have good handwriting recognition, there you have your next productivity
0: there you go. Learn how to There write. you go. Well, you gave us a lot to think about. It's like listening to you is like drinking <laughs> from a fire hose. Um, we could probably go on for three more hours, but I know you and I both have other things to do today. But what I'd like to do is I'd like to uh, turn the show over to you for one or two questions and let you be the temporary host of the Mark Chuchowski podcast. This is called Mike Swaps. So, Stever, you're the host. It's all yours. Sure.
1: Uh, quick, Quick question for you. Who's your, who, who's your audience? What's the demographic? Uh,
0: mainly entrepreneurs
1: entrepreneurs. All right. So my question for you is, if you were 25 years old again, with the knowledge that you have now, or actually, let me reframe it. If you could go back and give 25-year-old you, but let's imagine 25-year-old you was living in the the year 2021, one and only one piece of advice about how to succeed in life, what would that be?
0: Be patient. Uh, I remember when I was back in the 20s, I was always in a hurry to do this, that, and the other thing, and trying this thing, and buying this thing, and and if I would have been patient, because when I look back on my 20s now, if I would have been patient, I would have made fewer mistakes because I would have waited for a better uh, solution to come along. But I was in a hurry. I had to have it. got to had this thing or this product or whatever the case may be. So I would tell myself, look, at slow down, take a breath, enjoy the journey of life. Don't be in such a hurry because I was in such a hurry in my 20s and 30s.
1: Yeah, I'm still in, I'm still in <laughs> such a hurry. And I, you know, like you, I understand that, that sometimes that that's not, you know, it's not the best thing, but I, I keep thinking, I keep thinking, you know, Am I ever going to slow down? Am I ever going to, there's, there's all of these errors in my thinking that I can clearly identify. And no matter how many times I identify the same set of errors, I keep making the same set of mistakes. I'm like, this is not good. <laughs> some of these have to change yes. at some
0: point. So you have another question or is that the other one or is the question about the audience is that one question that counts one. Uh, well so now you've had two questions so you've you've gotten a hundred percent more than all right i love it well the final question for you sir is where can we go find out more about you and what you're doing in this amazing world of ours
1: Sure. Well, you can find out about me. Um, uh, my website is steverrobbins.com, S-T-E-V-E-R-R-O-B-B-I-N-S.com. And it currently presents me as an executive coach, which is not the main way I spend my time anymore. So at some point I'll revise the website, but you can read about 400 different articles that I've written about business. Um, and and entrepreneurship some are funny some aren't if you want personal productivity you can go to itunes.com forward slash get it done guy that's the podcast that i hosted from its inception up to episode 587 it's now called the modern mentor but episodes one through 587 are still about productivity and are hosted by me and they're brilliant just absolutely and utterly and incredibly brilliant you know as are the subsequent episodes too but i'm most familiar with the ones i did Uh, that's where you can learn about personal productivity if you would like to see the five-minute promo for the musical work le- for the musical about personal productivity and zombies, um, and there's a story there, go to worklessanddo.more.com and click on the top link.
0: Excellent. Well, Stever, this has been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchewski podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchewski insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.